Welcome to our returning Theology on Tap attendees, and a big welcome to anybody who might be new today who has come for the first time. My name is Monica Aquila. I am the Pastoral Associate for Communications and Evangelization at St. Vincent de Paul Parish up north. Um, I love Jesus. I love the gospel. I love to read. I love to cook. Um, I am a card-carrying member of the Oregon Horseshoe Pictures Association. True story. And that's a little about me. So this summer, for those of you who are returning, you already know this, but we have a summer theme. um, And our Theology on Tap team spent a lot of time planning and discerning and praying and discerned the theme for this series as the road to Emmaus. So this is our fourth talk in this summer series, and they have been centered around the themes of the road to Emmaus. So the first theme was finding Christ in chaos, then finding Christ in suffering. Last week was finding Christ in scripture. And tonight we are going to talk about finding Christ in the Eucharist. Our patron saints for this series are on the back of that prayer card on your table. Uh, Pope St. John Paul II, who is the patron saint of youth and young adults, and St. Cleopas, who is present at the road to Emmaus. If you have never read the story of the road to Emmaus, it is in Luke chapter 24. You can find it in the Bible app on your phone. If you don't have a Bible app on your phone, there's lots of ones that are free, and you can get it. Um, With that, I'm going to actually invite Father Nathan up, and he's going to open us in an opening prayer. The prayer you can follow along with is on your tables. Thank you, Father. So everyone pull up the prayer card if you don't have it on your phone. We need the prayer, not the patron saints for now. And let's pray together in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Stay with us, Lord, for it is almost evening. Lord, this is the insistent invitation of the two disciples journeying to Emmaus on the evening of the day of the resurrection. They address these words to you, the wayfarer, who had accompanied them on their journey. Weighed down with sadness, they never imagined that this stranger was you, their master, risen from the dead. Yet they felt their hearts burning within them as you spoke to them and explained the scriptures. Light of the world, unlock the hardness of our hearts and open our eyes. Amid the shadows of the passing day and the darkness that clouds our spirits, O divine wayfarer, bring a ray of light which will rekindle our hope and lead our hearts to yearn for the fullness of light. Stay with us, we plead. As you agreed to the disciples' request, please agree to ours. Stay with us. Soon afterwards, Jesus, your face would have disappeared from the sight of the disciples, yet you, the Master, would stay with them, hidden in the breaking of the bread, which had opened their eyes to recognize you. Jesus, may we learn to recognize you in our midst and become aware of your presence in every circumstance, particularly in the gift of the scriptures and the Eucharist. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Father. Okay, now I am going to introduce our fourth and final speaker of this summer series, who is a fantastic, dynamic man, Father Jose Arroyo, who was born in Puerto Rico and raised there. 
on um, there and in the East Coast of the U.S. due to his father being in the U.S. Navy. He joined the Capuchin Franciscans in Puerto Rico when he was 18 years old and eventually did mission work in the Dominican Republic, Honduras, and Nicaragua. He has a great love for children, youth, young adult, elderly, sick, homebound prisoners, <laughs> basically everyone. So I'm going to invite Father Jose up here, and we're going to do... <laughs> We're going to do a second round of introductions. So all that stuff is fantastic, but we're going to find out a little bit more about you. So that's your spot. We're going to do so, uh, uh, 11 question rapid fire. I'm going to ask a question and he has like two seconds to come up with an answer. Okay. Are you ready? You understand the instructions? Okay. Father Jose, what's your favorite color? Red. See, I started with an easy one. Uh, favorite childhood toy? Uh, cars. <laughs> favorite book? Uh, Bible. Uh, Another favorite book. Um. <laughs> I love, oh, there we go. <laughs> I love the Bible and that is everything. Okay, things that you, are one thing that you like to do for fun. Play volleyball. Oh, good one. Okay. If you won the lottery, who would you call first? Mom. <laughs> Excellent. Favorite song or music category? Um, salsa. That's a category. I, I don't. Puerto Rican. Okay, yeah, Puerto Rican music. Yeah, okay. Yeah, totally. Uh, favorite food? Um, rice. Favorite game? Uh, I already said volleyball, so no. let's do basketball. No. Oh, basketball? Okay, basketball, okay. Uh, a fun fact? Um, brother of two um, boxers. Boxers. Yeah, so you don't box, though? Um, no. no? Okay. <laughs> if you could go anywhere on vacation, where would it be? Puerto Rico. Oh, easy. If you go anywhere besides Puerto Rico on a vacation, where would it be? Um, Holy Land. The Holy Land. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. Uh, okay, favorite part about being a priest? Celebrating Mass. Excellent. That's a perfect transition because Father Jose is going to be talking to us about the Eucharist tonight, so I am going to let him take it away. All right. Well, my full name is Jose Emanuel Arroyo Acevedo, but you can call me Father Jose. That's all right. I am excited to be here. Last time I was invited, I was, um, well, I couldn't come because apparently at St. Elizabeth, they asked me to, St. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Ann Seton, they asked me to um, go to a confirmation retreat and they put me on the spot and somehow they had seen me uh, do some backflips on TikTok or whatever. And so they just told me to do it. But the problem was that the next day I got vertigo and for two weeks, everything was moving, so I couldn't come here. So I'm so glad I made it here today. And uh, well, what a great topic on the Eucharist. You know, when we hear of about the the story of the road to Emmaus, it's an amazing story, beautiful story within the Bible, where Jesus is kind of mysterious. He he's risen after you know just uh that was just the evening of the resurrection and he's appearing to these two disciples these um, guys that are walking i don't know seven miles from jerusalem to emmaus they're kind of disappointed they wanted him they thought that he would be like this messiah that had this political um power that would change transform them politically but they didn't understand um the whole picture that he had a different type of leadership and he was the son of god that he indeed um fulfilled the promise of of uh, that he would rise from the dead and so they were they were just disappointed and yet 
he was so close to them. And it wasn't until they they invited him over, kind of it was getting dark, and they said, let's let's eat. Kind of like we're right now relaxing. And uh, meals are just events that really unite families and people all over the world. You may go to, uh, I don't know, to a, a big celebration that's multicultural. And I mean, you may not know their language, but we all get hungry, right? So food is really a great opportunity to mingle, to connect, because it is a human need. And so um, Jesus does uh, accept this invitation to enter into this, I guess, intimate um, gathering. Because when you're sitting close to someone, you're just getting to know them, right? Remember in the, in the beginning of the pandemic, everyone would freak out. You had to be six feet apart and so separate, right? And so you couldn't just eat with anyone because you didn't know where they were at, right? And Jesus enters into this dialogue with them, and he um, he does something that's very Eucharistic, because what is explained in in the on the road to Emmaus is that in Luke's account, he took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and then he gave it. He distributed it. So he took it, he gave thanks, he he broke and he and he um he distributed he gave so those are the same words that he had just said a few days ago on the last supper on holy thursday so basically the on the road to emmaus we have the first mass after the resurrection if you will jesus is alive and he opens their eyes right so that they can understand the mystery that is in front of them they they're like mind blowing it's like aha moments it's amazing the the God of, of creation who became incarnate in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary is the one who got crucified and rose from the dead and they could not recognize him at first. It, there's a mysterious aspect of him, of his. Um, he just doesn't recognize him. I remember um, even Mary Magdalene, she thought it was the gardener. There's something about his presence that is out of this world, literally. And once he breaks the bread, etc., their eyes are opened, and then he vanishes. He disappears. But their hearts are burning within them. And it, there's, there's something about this encounter that has transformed them, that has changed them. And they don't just go away um, like they, you know, saddened as they were, but they're on fire, right? They are joyful, and they go out to share this good news. That Christ was alive, but he would be, uh, he would remain with them in a different form. So it's not like he ignored their petition, Lord, stay with us. That's getting dark, it's, it's evening is coming, but it's that he is going to stay with them, but now in a different, in different form under the appearance of bread and wine, where he will be present sacramentally, um, not symbolically, but actually present really present, sacramentally present. I remember that while I was, let's see, when I was about 15 or 16 years old, when I was starting to like um, take my spiritual life more seriously, I had a great, great friend I was sharing earlier uh, with some of the, the guys here that um, I had a good friend that was not Catholic, was evangelical, but I thought I saw that she was living her faith so awesome, so authentically, so genuinely. And I'm like, 
I want what she has. And and, and it just I knew that I wanted to um, be a disciple. I wanted to um, not just say that I was a, a Catholic Christian, but actually be a Catholic Christian. And I thought that she was on fire and I too wanted to be on fire. And so I realized I don't have to abandon the Catholic faith in order to be a true Christian. I have scripture, but we also have sacred tradition. We have the magisterium. We have the whole picture, basically. And um, I would say that with in humility because unfortunately, out of because of pride and because of, you know, our stubbornness at times, there have been conflicts in, in church history, as you know. Um, but either way, I, I just realized I can be a good Catholic Christian. And the most important aspect I realized that we had within our faith, the greatest treasure, the greatest um, kept secret for a lot of Catholics, unfortunately, is the fact that we believe that Jesus is with us in the breaking of the bread, in the Eucharist, that he is alive, that the same Christ that walked right on the, through, uh, on the waters in Galilee, the same Jesus who um, chose the apostles despite their imperfections, and that chose Judas Iscariot, for instance, and that's a question that I have for Jesus. I, I, I don't get that. Like, if I were God, like, I have this question to ask him, why, why did you select this dude? Like, you knew he was going to betray you. So why bother? It was just going to cause problems. And it, why bother choosing Peter, right, as the first pope? Like, why? He was going to deny you three times, not once, twice, three times. And, and how about Peter and John, um, James and John, who were like wanting to be, they were fighting because they wanted, they really wanted to be on the right and the left of Jesus in the kingdom. And they didn't get his, uh, his role as the Messiah. They just didn't get it. And it got worse when Mrs. Zebedee, their mom, got involved, right? It gets complicated. When mama gets involved, it just gets you know, emotionally charged. And yet Jesus allows this, right? And forget about the rest. They were just like upset with them because they beat him to it. So they wanted to also um, be on the right and on the left of Jesus. So why would Jesus select these people? Well, he saw the great potential in them of being great saints. He chose them not because they were perfect, but because they were broken he wanted to redeem them and allow them to recognize their God-given dignity. They would become eventually what Archbishop, what Archbishop Fulton Sheen would refer to the priesthood as um, wounded healers. You and I, as baptized Christians, become wounded healers. And Jesus says, do this in memory of me. Of course, he's talking to his 12 apostles in the upper room. He's talking about the ministerial priesthood. He's ordaining them and he's giving them the power to transform the bread and wine. What he has just done, he's given them the power to do so. Do this in memory of me. This which has just been broken so that you can be a wounded healer, a person who is broken, who allows the Lord to shine through you. So the reality is that all of us have a great capacity to bring the good news to others 
even if we are broken. And that's the good news. We, we are here at um, St. University of St. Francis, and none of us are perfect, right? Here we have Father Hake, Father Patrick Hake, welcome. We love you. So we, we actually, with Father Nathan, we all studied at least my last year of theology together at Mount St. Mary's in Emmersburg. And we know we're not perfect, right? Those of us who live together, we get to know, you may see us, oh, very holy, right? But when we live together, you're like, mm, I got another part of the story, the other side of the coin, you know? It's like marriage, you know? At first, everything seems so awesome, so beautiful. Guy, gentleman, opens the door, come on in, lovely lady. And then they get married, it's like, pass if you want. Slams the door sometimes, right? Because we know there are imperfections. Jesus chooses us. How awesome. So the Eucharist is not a symbol. It's the real thing. It's the real thing. It is the sacrament, which is the source and summit of the Christian life. It is the most important uh, sacraments within our faith. There are seven sacraments, but the Eucharist is not just one of many sacraments. It is the very person of Jesus Christ. It is Jesus. It is the second person of the most holy trinity. Your mind should be like, like that's too mysterious. Well, that's the point. If we think that we got it all figured out, maybe we're not actually understanding the mysterious aspect of our faith. And sometimes people, even university students, can try to rationalize everything to the point that there is no space for faith, for mystery, for the unknown, and that can't be. If we actually understand everything about God, we have created our own God. If we understand everything about our faith, we may have come up, made up our own religion. And if, you know, anyone else goes against what I feel, my emotions, whatever goes against my understanding, my plans, then I'm done with it. And how many people don't understand the reality that Christ is present in the Eucharist, and therefore they just go off to another uh, reality. Sometimes they go to another Christian denomination, which is at least Christian and following Jesus Christ, but many times they just give up. They become agnostics or atheists, and they just don't, they don't believe. If we had more Catholic Christians convinced of the real presence, we would have the, the church filled, all, all the churches. I mean, we would have to fill the stadium, you know, uh, here in Fort Wayne. It just, it, it just has to be like, that way. But we choose to worship the God that we choose to worship. So how does that look like? Well, for some, it's um, whatever substitutes the real God, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, whatever you dedicate your time, your energy, your, your whole life, whatever you're passionate about, whatever you wake up for, whatever you're willing to die for, that's practically your, your God. The topic of conversation, what you're like, blah, 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 always talking about, like this is getting everyone dizzy because of it. And that's all you do, whatever, you, everything goes around that, that becomes your God. Well, if we understood that Christ, who is God incarnate, comes to us and he wants to listen to us and he pretends, I say that like um, loosely, he pretends that he, he, 
he's not listening because the the disciples didn't un, didn't get it that it was him right we we don't always grasp the reality that he is with us and jesus is like you know what i'm just i just like this i'm just going to walk along and see how they live i'm going to see if they remember what i was you know all about of course, Jesus eventually will take the scriptures and explain the, from the Old Testament and the New Testament. He will explain his reality that this was meant to be. This is part of God's divine providence, his design. It was all um, uh, always thought of from all eternity. And every time we come to Mass, we actually do have two parts of the mass we have the liturgy of the word and the liturgy of the eucharist and every mass basically is a reenacting of emmaus it is a reliving this biblical experience you and i are able to encounter jesus the word incarnate the one who has existed from all eternity god from god light from light true god from true god begotten not made consubstantial with the father that means he's from the same nature he is divine and yet, we sometimes just have the habit to arrive late to Mass. We don't know what to talk to God about. Now, if we had to go for a job interview, normally you kind of like, you know, prepare for that, right? You try to prepare for what possible questions they may ask you. But, you know, or if you're going to go out on a date... <laughs> You want to make sure you at least you comb your hair, <laughs> look you know appropriately, brush your teeth, whatever. Just be practical, look good, pretend that you want to attract the other person, right? And yet we come with flip flops to church as if it was just going to the park. We treat the the Eucharist as if it was a thing, and sometimes. We have the ignorance to believe that even if we miss Mass on Sunday, which is a grave responsibility, that we can just show up and receive the Eucharist as if nothing happened. Let me tell you something. This is like you being married and your spouse just decided to disappear for the whole weekend and just decided to come back on Monday. Like nothing. This showed up just to eat. And pretends that there's nothing to talk about. Well, there's a lot to talk about, right? There's a lot to talk about. Because it's about a relationship. If we understood this, that it's more about a loving relationship with he who is love itself, then we would not be caught up with, oh, I don't have to follow these rules. Oh, the church is so oppressive. It's just about following rules and norms and laws. I'm fed up with this. I just want to live freely. I'm in a free country. And yet, sin enslaves us. And sometimes we are incoherent. I don't know if that's the right word. If, or we're not very coherent in what we do on Saturday night and what we do on Sunday morning. And we treat the Eucharist as if it was just an ordinary meal. Like if it was Dorito chips. That's, that's not 
the reality. Christ comes to us. He wants to feed us. He's the bread of angels. He comes down to us so that we can be nourished. Every one of us needs to be fed in order to have strength. If you do not eat, one of the signs of a person that is not, I mean, they're, if, if they're really sick and they stop eating, that's not a good sign, right? It's one of the signs that they're not doing well. Their organism is not functioning as they should, as it should. And so spiritually, if I see a, I don't know, a musician that used to receive Holy Communion devoutly all the time, and all of a sudden I am um, exposing the Blessed Sacraments, and I see that they're just going along with whatever they're doing and they just are on the cell phone and and they're not listen they're not paying attention to Christ who is really in front of them and they're they just give up in in anything that has to do with reverence within the church within the mass or or what's worse is that they stop receiving holy communion when they could just go to confession and there's a objective uh, uh you can there's an objective uh reality you can see that something has changed in them they just have lost the sense of 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 faith and hope and love they, they're dry within themselves they're weak like we're weak if we don't eat well and so if we don't eat well our organism as well will just eventually uh be attacked by all sorts of um, viruses and bacteria and all this stuff. We can get sick very easily. Our immune system will be weaker. So Jesus comes to his disciples, these disciples in Emmaus, as he comes to us. And just as he opens their mind, their heart, their, their spiritual eyes, and they're able to recognize him, you and I right now can be having an aha moment and say, you know, I desire to follow you even if I don't see you with my eyes. Because ultimately in the Eucharist, it takes much faith to understand that Christ is really present there. What looks like ordinary bread, it takes much faith to understand that that's really the body of Christ. Or that, that wine that looks just like wine, ordinary wine, it's the blood of Christ. There's a reason why if you receive Holy Communion under, what is it, by intinction, you're not allowed to receive it in the hands because you're not going to have the blood of, of Christ dripping in your hands, right? We have to have this sense of awe and reverence, which we have lost. I remember when I was uh, visiting my family uh, over in Puerto Rico, it was Christmas time. There was this old lady, well, I went to this, Mom wanted to go, a lot of our, our family were just going Christmas shopping and we stopped at a, um, well, they stopped at a store. I just went into the Catholic, uh, to the church, the parish. And they had this thing that looked like a trophy on the altar. I was like 16 years old. And like this trophy looking thing. And I knew that an EWTN, you know, Eternal Word Television Network, that net Catholic network founded by Mother Angelica. Anyways, so this trophy looking thing, which we call a... Monstrance, thank you very much. There are Catholics here. There are so this monstrance, and then inside in the center, there's this white disc. Well, we call that the host, which is ultimately Jesus. It's as simple as that. It's Jesus. Don't get too complicated. It's Jesus. So she's explaining to me, as she she might have been like 85 years old. She said, Come over here. And she sat me down. I'm like, okay. And Neither she is too shy, and I'm I'm not shy either. So we've had this uh, this conversation, and she said, "You see that in the center? 
that's Jesus's presence. That's Jesus himself. And there have been miracles, Eucharistic miracles, um, where I guess priests themselves has, have lost their faith because they get used to the routine and then they just stop be believing for a time, for a minute. M maybe this isn't real. And so the host in some of the Eucharistic miracles has turned into the very flesh, human flesh, like a part of the, the, the heart of a living person. That's amazing. So I had read eventually about the Eucharistic miracles and I'm like, whoa. That's what she was, oh, that's what Mother Angelica was talking. Oh, it's like an aha moment. It was like, whoa. So Jesus is present there. So after Mass, the hosts that are, are, that are um, consecrated, but that are extra that not everyone receives in Holy Communion, those are kept in the tabernacle. There's also a golden box where we keep Jesus uh, present sacramentally. And so that's Jesus. I'm in, in his presence. Like, I don't have to go anywhere else. Like, so many people go to, like, get their hands, uh, how do you say, the uh, red, just to see the future, or go to read the hor uh, what is it, horoscopes, just to just for the fun of it. But then it becomes, like, a habit. We, we start going to, uh, I don't know, just trying to seek what, what could be my destiny, my, my mission in life. And, and it's separate from God. And we don't have to do that because we have Christ within, you know, in front of us in the Eucharistic adoration. And the most important thing is eventually I learned from her that he wants to be within us. So we have this great precious treasure that we don't, take advantage of that we don't consider we we don't talk about it enough so today i want to challenge us to really spend time before the blessed sacrament in silence because sometimes if if we get caught up in just only when or there's praise and worship with music or when there is like a, a fantastic talk or something else going on that, that if we just think that that's the only time we can relate to it, well, no, we can actually spend time in silence. Arrive, let's think about arriving, let's think about changing habits, arriving a little bit earlier to mass, like intentionally arriving at least 10 minutes early. How about that? If you can arrive 15 minutes, even better. And just listen to the Lord. Just listen. You don't have to even speak. Just listen. This is like spiritual radiation. And Christ wants to purify your very being. Everything that is not of God, he wants to take it away. And all those lies that the devil says to you, that you're worthless, that because you have sinned, because you have committed all, whatever mistake you have committed, that now you're, you, you, you're full of shame because the devil does this. Before you sin, he's, he takes away all the shame. Oh, don't, don't worry about it. Just do it. Everyone else does it. It's been a long week. You deserve it, right? And then after you do X, Y, or Z, whatever it is, then he throws back at you in your face the shame so that you don't even want to even raise your eyes to heaven or step in the church again. And what's very sad among young people is that when they feel that their sin is greater than God's mercy, that they have just given up in attempting 
to reconcile with God and the church through the sacrament of reconciliation. And they just, just give up in wanting to receive Holy Communion. Like, that's it. I fell in love with, I don't know, Miss, Miss Universe, who is Miss Sinful Universe. She's so beautiful. But she's taking me away from God. But she's so hot. But she is leaving you, leading you away from communion. But she's worth it. But don't can't you see that you're you can go to hell? I don't care. Just for just 30 minutes. And then we're miserable for the rest of the week, for the west rest of the month, maybe for the rest of our life. Today Jesus wants to encourage us to follow him no matter what our darkness is in our life. Right now, you and I may have a spiritual darkness where we don't understand what's going on with our faith. We don't understand what's going on with our relationships with others. We don't understand why things are falling apart. And yet, we should beg the Lord to stay with us, even though it's getting darker. So may Our Lady intercede for us. May she pray for us. May she who, who was so attentive to God's promptings that she was courageous enough to say yes to the angel's um, invitation to be the mother of Christ, the mother of God. May she intercede for us because she too experienced dark moments. But she was convinced that Jesus was true God and true man. In Scripture, there's no part no place where you can find in any of the Gospels where Mary, the Blessed Virgin Mary, ran to the tomb. Why is that? Because she knew that he would rise from the dead. Because she knew that he would fulfill his promises. The promise that he would come back to life. To give us hope. To give us a sense of belonging, a sense of belonging in this world so that we can focus on our God-given dignity and our goal in life. And yes, very good and holy people can fall. As Lucifer, the angel of light, fell. May we courageously um, follow the Lord, make an act of the will, put aside the emotions that distract us from doing God's holy will, and follow Him. Beg him to remain with us and be observant that he is actually with us. He's with us in the poor. He's with us amongst our family and friends. He's with us here in the university. He's with us when we are in, joy, in joyful moments, but he's also with us in sorrowful moments. May no one, may no one or anything separate us from communion with God. That's all I want you to take with you. May no one or anything separate you from communion with God, including particularly the Eucharist. doesn't matter who you meet, no matter what, what are your goals, what, uh, what successes you want to have. It doesn't matter how much money you want to have in the bank or how many titles you want, how many degrees. It doesn't matter. If you don't have God, you have nothing. Because in light of death, all that stays behind. So let us Turn to him who is truly alive in the Eucharist. So 
Today, let us make that act of the will to follow him. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Jose. That was awesome. I just want to share with you, as as Father Jose was talking, I was just thinking about um, like my personal witness with the Eucharist, and I'm just going to take like one minute and share that with you. Um, I grew up out in the country in Oregon, and I'm the youngest of six kids. And my oldest brother, his name's Ben, and he was always like the annoying big brother who just told me what to do. Um, so I didn't see, I didn't have much of a relationship with him when I was really little. When he went off, off to college, um, I noticed something about him that made me wonder. Like I started to actually look up to my brother because I saw things in him that were admirable. And I remember this one particular time and like growing up out in the country, like on farmland, there are a lot of chores. And like us six children, we hid from my dad on Saturdays. Like we did not want him to find us because we did not want to do chores. It was like hauling firewood for our like wood burning stove. It was like pulling weeds. It was garden, like tons, like just outdoor stuff. I hated it, hated it. We would avoid and hide from my dad, right? So my brother comes back from college and there was something about him that was so captivating for the first time in my life because he went up to my dad and said, what can I help you with? And I watched him do that and I was like, are you insane? It's Saturday hide time. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> but I was so moved because I saw something in him that was selfless and it was something in him that was growing. And so a couple years later, like I, I continued to want to model like who I was after my brother because I saw this like selflessness in him and something that um, was provoking. And so I finally asked him, Ben, like, where did your faith come from? Because he was really like the spiritual leader outside of my parents, like of our family. Like he set the course for faith for the five siblings that came below him. I said, Ben, where does your faith come from? And he said, well, it started when I was in third grade and mom and dad moved me from the public school to the Catholic school. And when I was in the public school, I had been a little bit of a bully, like I was not a good kid. And when they moved me to the Catholic school, then the tables turned and I was bullied. And I spent every recess for months hiding in the Adoration Chapel. And I would sit there in front of Jesus and I knew that I was loved there. And that was where my faith um, began. And then fast forward for me, like that, that was really um, inspirational for me to understand that my brother's faith came from that time in the Eucharist. And I saw the man that he was because of that. And then like fast forward to when I'm in college and I started going to, I was really inspired by our parish priest who was just like a man who knew Jesus. Like he's the type of person when you're around him, you're like, oh my gosh, just teach me how to be a disciple. Like he was captivating. Like, I don't know if you've known these people in your life, but he was captivating because he knew Jesus intimately and you knew that. And so he, I asked him to be my spiritual director. And the first thing he said to me is, I want you to spend a half an hour in front of the Blessed Sacrament every day. Can you do that? And because he asked me to do it, I said, yes. I said, yes. And it radically changed my life because for eight months, I spent a half an hour in front of the Blessed Sacrament every day on the way to work. And I can't describe to you how I came to know Jesus as a real person who loved me and, and it changed my whole life. Like I've never experienced the joy of intimacy with Christ in the way that I did then that began there. 
So that I just wanted to share that witness with you um, to, to kind of cap off what Father Jose was saying about um, our Lord who loves us and invites us to receive something beyond what you know with him in the Blessed Sacrament. So now we have a Q&A. So very recently on Friday before um, 4th of July, Independence Day, there was a homeless um, young adult that came to our parish, our church, and he was he still kind of um, sleeps in his vehicle, um, but he came to request for gas voucher. And it was Friday, and in the office, someone said, you know what, come back on Tuesday, because... Is a holiday on Monday, so that bothered me a lot because I was just I'm like I ran I went ran over towards him. Um, I said, "What is your need?" Oh, by the way, I did this because he's six six. Said, "So, what is your need? What is your greatest need now?" So, anyways, we helped him with the gas. I said, "If you want to shower, go ahead and shower at the rectory." And then eventually, um, I said, "If you're hungry, let's let's go out because I'm hungry too." So to make that long story short, he came back the next day. He helped out. Uh, he's painting in our in our church because that's why he he wanted to be grateful and um, and he committed himself to start coming to church. Now he's not even baptized, but he started to go to mass on Sundays. And I kid you not, he goes goes up. He knows he cannot receive the Eucharist, so he crosses his arms like this. And I didn't teach his teach him this, but some, I think he was watching the little kids as they come up, and he crosses his arms and he genuflects towards the host. That for me is like, it's worth it. I can die. That's it. That's what it's all about. So that's an awesome story of a young adult. He's 30. He looks like he's 50 because life has hit him hard. But either way, I'm so proud of him. Um, and he still comes and, and helps us at the church. So that's the power of, of what love can do when we're attentive to the physical and the spiritual needs of people. So don't dismiss a person. So maybe Jesus who is walking along with us and we don't recognize him until later on, but it's all about bringing them eventually to Christ, not to us, but to Jesus in the Eucharist. All right. Questions? No. Oh my gosh. Father Patrick Hake. I'm getting nervous. This can't be. So I have a two-part question. You're not allowed to have two-part questions. <laughs> Just one question. No, okay, go ahead. <laughs> so question one. Okay. Uh, so in seminary, when we were in classes, me, 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 um, me and you sat next to each other. Yes. Did you ever cheat off me? <laughs> no, that's why I passed. <laughs> <laughs> Ask and you shall receive. <laughs> <laughs> I passed two, so we're, we're all, all good. Right. <laughs> Strike one. <laughs> and question two. So the Eucharist sometimes it can become, become very ordinary. Mm -hmm. How do you like still know it's Jesus and like still stay in love? That's deep. I have to remember that it's God. And I just have to recognize that I did not give myself the existence that I am alive thanks to him that had, he never asked my opinion if I wanted to be born that there is a mysterious plan that is beyond me that even though I have plans he changes them and 
somehow his plans work out better and he's full of surprises and so as long as i'm open to the surprises of god then um that relationship is always fresh archbishop the late archbishop camera from brazil said say yes to the surprises which interrupt your plans and crush your dreams giving your day perhaps your life a completely new direction so when i have made my own plans like going back to puerto rico remember that part and all of a sudden i was asked to come back where i i felt that i i needed to come back well it just worked out um i planned one thing it didn't work out and god changed the plans and that did work out so i just have to remind myself that i'm not god and i don't know it works for me So, Father, um, yes. question number three in our discussion questions asked um, that Jesus, after he had revealed himself to the disciples in the breaking of the bread, yes. why would he, you know, obviously then just vanish from their sight immediately that split second afterwards? So I just wanted to hear what your thoughts were on that question, because we had some interesting answers at our table, okay. so I just wanted to hear what you had to say. Sure. The first thing I have to say is that I came up with that question because I didn't know the answer. <laughs> It's a mystery. But I think it's the what Dr. Brant, is it Brant Petrie? He says that he didn't ignore the petition of the disciples to remain with him, meaning because it was getting darker, to eat with him. But um, he did fulfill that petition, but he, in a different form, in a way that they were not prepared for or, or didn't think in those categories but he would remain with them in the breaking of the bread in other words he would remain with us every day until the end of this the ages in the eucharist and so it's a great reminder to us after two thousand years that we too may not see the physical body of jesus but we know that he is present and it, our senses cannot pick up on it but it takes much faith to grasp this mystery. And so, in other words, they don't have an advantage over us because they were with Jesus 2,000 years ago. They needed faith after he vanished from them. And we too need faith to understand that he's present in the Eucharist. It's still a mystery. Uh, Father, why do you think young people do give up on communion and confession? And what are some solutions that you think we would have to that problem? I think people, even young people in this case, give up on communion and confession because of lack of faith. Their faith is very shallow. And when the difficulties of life um, occur, we get tangled up in certain relationships, for instance, and... Um, I should say that we stop reasoning and we allow our passions to take over. So, for instance, maybe when you're younger, you learned about confession and communion, but then life happens and you fall in love with someone that is in a it's a it's prohibited kind of a relationship that you cannot enter into sacramental marriage because they are already married. Just for just to throw out an example, and so by then, if 
we are caught up in the awesome, beautiful relationship, we're not even ready to re- rationalize why this particular situation is is wrong, and we're not ready to um, to let go of the sin, whatever it is, because we're just caught up in the passion. So passions could be good or bad. They're neutral. But we need a, um, we kind of have to, uh, I don't know, educate ourselves, uh, inform our, our consciousness. And so we have to choose what is good and avoid what is evil. But it's an act of the will. And so when we're so passionate about this person or this circumstances, and this becomes greater than God himself or greater than God's will, his commandment, then we just, you know, we're like, I give up because I just want to, uh, I just want to be happy. And I, I, I obviously the church has too many rules and laws and it's just oppressive. I, I just give up. It's too much for me. So what is the solution for this? Love God above all things and your neighbor as yourself for the love of God. It seems simplistic, but it's something that we have to hammer into ourselves every day. So we have to ask ourselves, is this sin more important than God? Is this habit more appealing, attractive um, to me than, than heaven itself? So uh, it gets complicated. And, and then if it's a relationship, then there's kids involved. It's just it just gets very complicated. So um, we are to love God above all things and our neighbor as ourselves. So we constantly will have um, a tug of war, but you have to choose constantly God because he's the one that gives you life and he's the only one that can take it away. And we're alive today. We don't know tomorrow. So um, we just have to have that perspective of, of that we're here for a time. This is why in medieval arts, you have some um, saints that have this, mysterious school right like at the bottom of the artwork it's like like saint francis of assisi himself it's like what is that all about what's that creepy school is that like halloween kind of thing no it's it's remember death remember death that we are mortal and i think young people because we are so energetic and we're so passionate and we're so curious and we think that we got this then we 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 dare to do what is wrong and then eventually we, met, we make mistakes. So when we're younger, we have a lot of energy, but not a lot of wisdom. When we're older, we have a lot of wisdom, but not a lot of energy. Somehow we have to like connect the dots, like connect it, right? Um, yeah, so, all right. Thank you for the question. That's great. A huge thank you to Father Jose for agreeing to come out, for speaking to us tonight.